So, Rachel. Yeah? While exploring on the outermost rim of the galaxy, the USS Enterprise is pulled into the orbit of a dead star. Mm-hmm. Trapped there, the crew discovers that there is an ancient derelict pod ship trapped with them as well. Ooh, I expect they'll be answering a distress call or nosying. Mm-hmm. They'll be aliens in the pod. They'll be humanoid with a deadly secret, let's say. Okay, good. Yeah. Right, sure. Although that seems a bit of a misuse of animation to have a humanoid, but yeah. I don't know. I'm just going for it. It's supposed to be aimed at kids, so more fighting, less kissing, I'm guessing. Okay, that makes sense. And I'm wondering if there's going to be a new theme tune. Oh, okay. Well, let's find out. Okay. <laughs> Rachel watches Star Trek. Captain's log, star date 5221.3. On outward course beyond the fringe of our galaxy towards Questar M17, a source of mysterious radio emissions. Mission: star charting. Welcome. Hey, hey everybody. We have begun or are beginning right now. It's happening. Our coverage of the animated series. We've gone to middle school. <laughs> it's, wow, what a transition. Some of the same gang are there. Pretty much all of them. There's yeah. someone new. They They're, haven't talked yet. By no. the end of this episode, they no. look very different. They do look very different. But before we get into this first episode, which is called Beyond the Farthest Star, I want to talk about the animated series in general, mm-hmm. like how it came to be and a little background on it since All we're, right. we're jumping into this. So it was originally proposed back when Star Trek was actually on the air. Lou Scheimer of Filmation wanted to do an educational cartoon in the Star Trek universe. So the idea was that the crew of the Enterprise would mentor a group of teenagers and they would be on their own starship called the USS Excalibur. Oh, that's fun. And then they would talk about real space exploration and science things. Oh, I like that. It's a, it's a pretty good idea. What is Filmation, by the way? Is it a style of animation or is it a company? It's a company. Oh, okay. So they did He-Man. There was a Batman series that I used to watch when I was a kid. It's it's obviously very limited animation style. This one is particularly bad. Well, you've got to adapt, haven't you, to your budget? There's I, some clever ways of doing it, yeah. but it does certainly have its limits. It does. And I'm going to be the last guy to critique somebody's cheap animation. Well. That, that's I've done quite a bit of cheap animation <laughs> in my day. So, um, But you still made them have facial expressions, as I yeah, recall. That's true. One of the things that I thought was funny about this proposed show was the characters were going to be a Vulcan named <laughs> Steve. What? <laughs> <laughs> An African-American boy named Bob Mm -hmm. and a Chinese boy named Stick. Wow. Uh... It's 1968. So, of course, (laughs) there are no woman characters on the What, when they were conceiving of it? Yeah. But since Gene Roddenberry and Paramount were kind of feuding, they couldn't come up with a deal at this time. So... After Star Trek died, Gene had more time on his hands, and NBC mm. made a 22-episode deal with Gene and Filmation. Gene Roddenberry was going to have creative control over this. This doesn't necessarily bode well. Go. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, he got DC Fontana on as the series story editor and associate producer, so her hand is very firmly in the show. And we've certainly lauded her a lot during our coverage of the original series. But realistically, it is mixed, isn't it? It Her is. impact on the show. It is. Yeah. But generally, if there's something good, it seems to be DC is in on it. Yeah, and then it turns out that she hated it or oh. something, <laughs> usually. Well, sometimes. Oh, well. Anyway. Anyway. Fontana reduced the amount of romance and sexual elements in it because it was aimed at kids, and she just figured kids 
could care less about people kissing. Well, so. I think it's gross, don't they? Exactly. Some of them do. So as for the voice talent, they had signed on Shatter, Nimoy, DeForest Kelly, and James Doohan, as well as Majel Barrett. Of course, mm-hmm. Majel Barrett, because... Jane. Jane. And she's very talented as well, but still. Yeah. They were going to get Doohan to do Sulu's voice oh. and Barrett to do Uhura's voice. <gasps> But Nimoy refused to do the job if Nichelle, Nichols, and George Takei weren't on. Yeah, Nimoy. Yeah, awesome. So he pointed out that they were trying to be diverse, and they cut the only non-white actors. Mm-hmm. And Filmation agreed that this was a, a dick move, because they're like, yeah, you got a point. Yeah. And so they hired them on. Good. Except for Walter Koenig, he got the shaft. Oh. He was replaced with a cool-looking alien character, that's the one you were talking about, called yep. Lieutenant Eriks. To throw Conan a bone, though, they had him write a script for one of the episodes. Oh, I'll look forward to that. So we're going to see what that's going to be like. Mm. So Doohan and Barrett pretty much do all the other voices on the show. Oh, wow. And in this episode, it's pretty apparent. <laughs> well, one of the characters who Doohan does looks exactly like him as well, but just with a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially confusing. <laughs> it's supposed to be Kyle. It's very strange. So one thing to prepare you for, the series is not officially canon. Huh? That means that some of the things that come out of the animated series don't really count. So just because oh, you goodness. see it on the animated show doesn't mean it's actually part of Star Trek. Yeah, well, how's that any different from the original series? Yeah. <laughs> True. Oh, I feel a bit bad for the animated series, oh, though. Well, there's some things, I think, that come from the animated series that are still part of Star Trek canon. But yeah, as a whole... Bit of a black sheep, though. Yeah. Andy Mangles stated, When excited viewers sat down in front of their television sets on September 8th, 1973, they weren't certain what to expect, but they knew one thing. Star Trek was back on the air. It was an auspicious beginning that promised viewers a return to the five-year mission they knew and loved. Meanwhile, little Chris Lackey was just learning to sit up in his parents' lounge as they watched it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure my dad watched, of course. He'd be hungry for some Star Trek at that point. So this episode's title is inspired by a book of the same name, which was written by Edgar Rice Burroughs, Tarzan fame, written by Samuel A. Peoples, who wrote Where No Man Has Gone Before. Mm. Gene got DC to call him and ask him to do this pilot since he'd done the original pilot for the original series. Yeah. Uh, The first draft of the episode script was dated 10th of May, 1973. Five years before my exact birthday. Yeah. It's all coming together, Chris. Wow. (laughs) Is it? Is it? Well, I mean, I was five five days old on that day. So that's blowing your mind some more. (laughs) At this time, we had animations for the Osmonds. Mm-hmm. The Jackson Five and the Harlem Globetrotters had their own show oh, too. I love the Harlem Was it really good? Oh yeah, it was great. Good fun. The Jetsons had been running for 11 years. This was a Saturday morning kids TV show. Oh, I didn't realize it was on Saturday mornings. Apparently it had a lot of competition. So the ratings really suffered as a result. Oh, because when you're a kid, like Saturday mornings. Oh, it's great. This was before we had VCRs. Oh yeah. We only had three channels, four maybe? Yeah. When I was little, we only had three or four channels. So Saturday morning was kind of the promise. I'm, oh. I'm sure my parents loved it too because... Oh, guys. UK guys. It's day, No school today. So what you gonna do? There's no excuse to stay in bed. We're waiting here for you. Oh, wide awake. Something, something. Sunsea. <laughs> Join us. Get together. Get set. Let's go. We're wide awake. Wow. So that was, I guess, a Saturday morning call to arms? Yeah, I think I just combined two there, Wackaday and okay. Wide Awake. Sorry, guys. That was beautiful. <laughs> oh, number 73. God, so many good ones. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into this episode. Okay. It begins with the Enterprise detecting a Quest Star M17 and being pulled into its negative star mass. What's a Quest Star? I don't 
Dead star? I think it's supposed to be a dead star. And I thought dead stars are black holes. I should have done a little bit more scientific research on this. pulling them in. It's pulling them in. It's got a lot of mass. I don't understand what negative star mass is. Is it antimatter? Mm-hmm. So many questions. Maybe there's some science person that can tell us what that is or is not because it might just be gobbledygook. Oh. Due to some fancy piloting on Sulu's part, they are able to not crash into the dead star, but orbit around this mass and they are safe. Yay. Well done, Sulu. How were you responding to it by this point in the show? Uh, it was bad. Oh. You know it was. You were there with me. I know. I'm just wondering how you were feeling. Yeah. I was like, oh boy, this sucks. And yeah. it, it was just them. Very, very limited animation. Lips moving. The, no the, expression. No expression. The sound effects were way too loud. A lot of music going on. And music going on and... Really understated voice work. Yeah, they should have. I think they really needed to go overboard yeah. with the vocal performances. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. Yeah. It's, I felt kind of sleepy watching it and kind of, oh, yes, it's not going to be great. This is going to be bad. No suspense. No. Mm. Very difficult at first, but things get a little bit more interesting as things go on. We've got a different bridge. It's bigger. I think more circular, maybe. More space. <laughs> Wasn't it? How can you be more circular? <laughs> than a circle. Yeah. You didn't have a circular rail on this time. We don't get too many zoom out shots of the whole bridge in the original series. Everyone's in the same places, except Chekhov is now a bald brown mute alien. Yeah, Lieutenant Eric's. Yeah. The uniforms are similar, but they've got grey trousers. Animation thing, you wouldn't have too much black. Oh. Defines their Boy, boots. I didn't even realize yeah. it. Yeah, I think differentiate it from the outlines of the characters. Mm-hmm. So they discover, while they're there, a ship in orbit around this mass as well. But it's long dead. And I got to say, it's super cool looking mm. ship. It's not like any spaceship I've ever seen before. Because it's sort of like a bunch of blobule things attached by giant... Kind of fronds or... Mm-hmm. It's kind of plant-like, but then yeah. it's also a bit like the inside of a lung. Yeah, or maybe it's like um, vines reaching out to kind of pods. Yeah. It's very alien and cool. Yeah, and huge. And this was something that made me think they're going to be able to take advantage of the animation here and yeah. do things that they could never do on Star Trek. I've got a quote here. If we want an exotic spaceship 50 miles across, Gene Roddenberry said, it's as easy to draw that as it is to do one the size of the Enterprise. According to background artist Robert Klein, though, pleasing Roddenberry with a feasible unseen design for the insectoid ship herein was the hardest challenge in the creation of Star Trek, the animated series, and required literally 100 tries. Whoa. Eek. Well, it's super cool. I'm glad that they did what they did, because honestly, I haven't seen anything quite like it in modern sci-fi as well. Yeah. So Hura picks up some radio emissions off the ship and some kind of a magnetic reading, but nothing else. And it seems to be dead and that it has been there for over 300 million years. What? Just to kind of give you a frame of reference, around that time on Earth, there were simple reptiles. Uh, there were no dinosaurs. Whoa. This is before dinosaurs even existed. Goodness. Okay, we're getting some good sci-fi concept stuff here. Yes. This is yeah. solid. I'm bummed out that we had to sit through all that, you know, <laughs> talking, that flapping lip <laughs> scenes because that's all it was. But this stuff is really cool. Yeah. Kirk decides to have everybody beam over to the ship. And by everybody, I mean the best friends gang plus one. Yes. It's Spock, McCoy and Scotty. And then I'm thinking, why is McCoy going over there? There's no oh, life yeah. forms. Yeah. You don't need a doctor. Best friends. He's in the gang. Well, Nemo wouldn't do it if everyone wasn't included. <laughs> 
Where's Uhura? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, where's Sulu? Get him on the yeah, on the landing on. party. So they wear these life support belts. Which create a glow line around their whole bodies. Yes. And it's not just a life support. It's like kind of a force field that we find out later. Mm. They did this because it was a cheap way to get around having to draw them in spacesuits. Oh, right. Yeah. The ship has hexagonal windows and seems to be designed similarly to beehives. So they think the race might have been insectoid. Like the mark of Gideon, but at least uh, Theist didn't have to stay up all night sewing a lot of hexagons onto the costumes this time. <laughs> so again, cool stuff. Things you couldn't do in the original series. Mm. They point out that the metal on the ship is some kind of strong filament that was spun, and it's lighter and stronger than any known Federation materials. They also note that the pods have all been blasted out from the inside. Mm. And McCoy thinks this might have been some kind of accident, but Spock says it seems more deliberate, like some kind of self-destruction. They have a disagreement, but there's no real snarking going on. They've got no time for that. It's only 22 minutes. Yeah. But let's talk about McCoy. <laughs> what do you mean? Although everybody is expressionless and not giving any expression to their tone of voice, McCoy is this times 10. <laughs> There's just something comedic about every shot. I don't know whether it's, he's the only one they've drawn eye bags on. Oh. Or his face is particularly blank looking. Uh-huh. <laughs> every time he came on, I just thought, oh, God. I didn't I didn't notice it. Yeah. I, I think I was too busy thinking about the aliens in the 300 million year old spaceship. But Good for you. I can see what you're saying. He was flat in mm-hmm. his performance. Mm-hmm. Hopefully things get better as the series progresses. So when Kirk checks in with Uhura, she says that she's no longer getting that radio signal. And it stopped once they had uh, beamed onto the ship. Kirk decides they need to go inside to see what they can find. I don't know if I explained this. I didn't. That they actually beam to the outside of the ship. They're standing on one of these vine things outside mm. of the pods. Yeah. Which, again, they wouldn't ever have done on the original yeah, series. Yeah, true. Um, so when they go inside, he tells Ahura, get a transporter lock on us so that if trouble hits, you can just beam us right out. Yeah, is that new? Boy. Would have been very useful. Yeah, I thought they did it in the original mm. series, but maybe they didn't. And I'm thinking of next gen because transporter lock is, they say that all the time. It sounds familiar. Did they do it in that Gary Seven one? Oh, maybe they did. Is that how they ended up beaming that policeman in and out and stuff? <laughs> maybe. Remember. Wow, your memory is pretty good. It's better than mine on well, that. Well, it might be wrong. Clyde will know. So Spock now picks up a tiny energy reading on his tricorder. It seems the landing party's energy is slowly being siphoned off of them. I didn't get that while I was watching it at all. There are actually loads of really cool concepts in this. Yeah. But I'd already switched off. When they enter the control center of the ship, they become sealed in. There is some kind of energy field that is stopping the transporters and their phasers no longer work. Classic. The original series again. They're staying true to it. Yeah. Spock points out that the system doing this isn't part of the ship, but it's something that has been put together quickly, a jury rig for some kind of emergency that Mm. happened eons ago. Just then, something attempts to break into the control room and they find an old log from a bug guy kind of thing. Yeah. It could be a ship's log. Or a warning. It seems to keep repeating. A message from 300 million years ago. It is possible that this much of their technology survived. Anything? I may be able to get a translation. We are being drawn to it. Rather than carry this malevolent life form to other worlds, we have decided to destroy our own ship. There is no other answer. If you understand this message, you are protected. 
protected only for this moment in this room. This thing I watch. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was kind of silly. It got silly. Well. But. The idea is cool. I guess my standards were pretty low yeah. by the beginning of the episode. So any cool thing that happened, I got really excited. Really, yeah. About. There was this evil force that they wanted to stop no matter what. In yeah. fact, they sacrificed themselves. To and stop it getting out into the rest of the universe. Yes. But they weren't banking on our nosy parkers getting involved, were no. they? No. The doors blast open, breaking the force field and allowing the crew to be beamed away. When they return, Lieutenant Kyle is running the transporter. But he has a moustache now and brown hair and he's voiced by James Doohan replacing John Winston and he looks just like Doohan. That's sloppy. <laughs> it's a curly mustache too, so it looks like it's a fake comical mustache. Like he's in disguise or on something. Scotty, yeah. yeah, on Scotty. Does that save you a lot of time as an animator if you have two characters yes. who look exactly the same? Oh yeah. It doesn't just save you the design time but all of the Oh no, like you can even reuse animation that's already been done before mm. and just slap a mustache on the guy. Can you? Oh yeah. Oh. I'm sure I'll get over it. So after they beam in, they see that there is a green glowing cloud on one of the transporter pads. No, how? I don't know. Are they still just beaming up all life forms in the area? I guess so. It doesn't quite make sense to me how they would just accidentally beam up something, but they do. Yeah, has any time <laughs> passed actually? Is this still part of the five-year mission? I think this is supposed to be continuing five-year mission. Yeah. Yeah. So they might not have gone back and consolidated their learning or put in any <laughs> <laughs> new systems or anything. No, I think you're right. This energy thing it's green and it spreads into the enterprise taking over the ship it goes through all the data tapes and it learns about the ship and the federation and how to speak english i presume oh wow it then opens fire on the alien spacecraft destroying it it then tells the crew that it wants to escape from this dead star and it takes over the bridge's automatic defense system which is a new thing it is an orb that comes out of the ceiling and it's got a bunch of little holes on it that shoot phaser beams mm. i guess at people you got quite excited about that didn't you i did i was like whoa what's this yeah the device was never seen again in any subsequent series <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe it would derail every storyline if it was there tricky spock is able to put the navigation console inside a static shield so that the entity could not steer the ship how what i don't know they just said it inside a static shield yeah like a force field I think they took one of their force field belts and put it on the console. Oh, so man. The green entity takes the crew hostage and then orders the captain to obey it and then to get them out of there. Kirk seems to be obeying the energy being, mm. but then pulls the old slingshot maneuver to break out of this gravitational well. Oh, nice callback. But won't it act as a time machine? Yeah, maybe they're not going to slingshot that fast. Oh, right. They're going to slingshot slower. So the entity thinks that it's going to crash into the dead star and it escapes into the quest star. Right as they're about to crash into it, they pull away and escape with a creature pleading for its freedom. Is it gone? Affirmative. It fled the ship when it thought we would crash into the dead star. log stardate 5221.8 final entry resuming outward course beyond the farthest star of our galaxy mission star charting Ooh. that's dark like in charlie x the crew abandon a lonely menace well in that freaking soulless captain's <laughs> log you know it was the same it's like yeah. mission 
star charting. Well, it's supposed to bookend it. You know, that was intentional, I'm sure. But but no, like we <laughs> left this creature. Yeah. Man, maybe we didn't do the right thing. Maybe yes. we should have Starfleet come and check this out. Yeah. We just abandoned this thing that's been already there for 300 million years. Yeah. That's creepy. And hopefully that's all supposed to be implied that they are going to do those things. But it, mm, it's not said. It wouldn't have taken much to show that they'd been impacted by the creature's plea. But they don't have many facial expressions to show that. Well, so yeah. it's going to be very tough. So I thought as it finished... What happened? I miss the original series. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not as good as the original series, for sure. I'm hoping that there might be cool things. It's only had a pilot so far. We'll give it a chance. That's right. Yes. So, concepts. DC Fontana has repeatedly cited this as one of her favorite installments of the animated Star Trek. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, gosh. Yikes. So she didn't like the way to Eden, though, so... Oh, yeah. Maybe it's fine. We've seen the general concept a lot before an alien infiltrating the ship. Right. But lots of new details, though. Life support belts, a fully alien crew member, metal spun like a web, a shield on the navigation system, the bridge's automatic defense system, hmm. the alien ship collecting their energy. I was kind of sad to read the story summary as we prepared for this show because it comes across on paper as a solid story with really interesting sci-fi and true to the feel of the original series. Yeah. But but the way it was done yeah. really somehow drained away most of that for me. Yeah. It had really dark themes actually for a kids TV show. Yeah. The whole alien crew had killed themselves to prevent the energy being getting out. And then the energy beings left lonely for more millions of years at the end. Right. Mm. Yeah. I, I can't imagine kids really understanding what the heck is going on in this episode. Mm -hmm. Like we're adults in the Star Trek and we were having a rough time with it. Yeah. But maybe kids are more, or you just watch it. You're looking for cool aliens and spaceships yeah. and stuff. And that's enough. So for concepts, while cool, I think the execution of them, this is tough because we're in the animated series, so I feel like I should rate it for the animated series and not necessarily for Star Trek in general. We don't know what that is yet, though. We don't have a baseline. We don't have a baseline. Because uh, I think the concepts are very cool in here. It's just the execution of them isn't great. So I'm going to go seven. I'm going five out of ten. All right. Yeah. That's fair. Entertainment. The design of the ship was real highlight, wasn't it? Yes. Gorgeous. Mm. Really interesting. The bridge was a little different. Things where they'd had time to do a map painting or a background looked really yeah. cool. Yeah. The character design, they all looked quite similar, I thought. Yeah. Which is a bit distracting. Yeah. No costumes to design for this one, but I hope they come back at some point. <laughs> Maybe they won't because of the animation yeah. style. It kind of took me out of it to watch how they were trying to save money with the animation like Spock would be talking but there'd be something in front of his mouth while he was talking <laughs> so it was quicker to do yeah but I understand it yeah it's mostly got to be in close-ups when they're talking yeah so you're not having to animate two people at once uh -huh. but the main impact of the budget animation was on character it made it very flat they barely moved their faces at all Mm -hmm. For the voice work, only Doohan had prior experience, so it was the inexperience of all of them as voice actors, plus the directors yeah. failing to get them going on any kind of energy or expression. They must have thought they had to tone it down more yeah, or something. I don't know. I don't why, know. Yeah. An alien who never speaks, that's a bit of a rip-off. Yeah, I think Eric's eventually does okay, talk. Okay, good. Yeah. The storytelling, there was so much talking. No foo. No. No humour. No. Nice music. Yeah. Three out of ten. 
Yeah, obviously it was not entertaining. Mm. The, the concepts were cool enough that made it slightly entertaining for me. And I love the design of stuff. Yeah. The limited animation style can be done in a way that is entertaining. Sea Lab 2021, which I used to watch in Adult Swim, mm. they were imitating filmation style. So right. it looked just like filmation. Yeah. But the actors were really funny. Mm-hmm. The performance is really strong, hilarious. And yeah. you don't even think about the animation because it's so well done. Yeah. You don't have that. True point. Here. Look so- at that He-Man song. What's he singing? Oh. <laughs> hey. <laughs> What's going What's on? What's going on, yeah. And I say, hey. hey. Yeah, that's, go watch that's that. Gold. Put a link to that in our show notes. Yeah. That'll make your day. <laughs> uh, so entertainment, I'm going to give it a three. You going three as well? I think it's three as well, yeah. Yeah. It sounds about right. Sexiness. They kind of looked like younger versions of themselves. They did. Smoother. Yeah. So that's nice. But their eyes were dead. So vacant. (laughs) And in fact, talking of eyes, their eyes were flesh coloured. Yeah. Which wasn't as bad with most characters, but looked really odd with Uhura. Yeah. Does that save you a lot of time? Well, it does save you some time because you don't have to paint a different color. Because those are all cell painted. That's actually oh, somebody wow. goes in there and paints. This is before the digital days. So having to paint your eyes on there would take time. And yowzers. There is nothing. It is zero sexiness. Yeah, it's not unsexy. Well, it's kind of unsexy. Apart and from that lonely. That's a bit of a boner killer, isn't it? That lonely guy at the end. Yeah. And yeah. The, just the the lack of vitality that yeah. is just generally there. I guess a two? Yeah, two out of five. It wasn't unsexy. It was nothing that like was like, oh, God. But mm-hmm. it was also kind of, uh Yeah. Didn't have that sparkle, <laughs> did it? My guesses were terrible. Yeah. Well, new song. It was similar, yeah. but it was definitely a new song. Yeah, so that's something. Next week, we're wondering, and we'd love your input, should we do one episode or two? Today, we chose to do one because we had the background information to right. cover. Mm-hmm. See, I think it's it's a we're in a weird place because mm. we could cram two episodes into one. We'd have to be very tight, which might be a good thing because then we would also get through the animated series much quicker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we could also you know, spend a little bit more time on it and talk about it in a bit more detail. What do you think, guys? Shall we, should we just get into it? and do one per episode or should we just try and get through it and, and do, do two? two there you go yeah <laughs> give that's us it. your thoughts please give us your thoughts because we are listening we're really on the fence about this so the next episode is yesteryear mm-hmm. and this is one of the more famous episodes because this is going back to spock as a child Ooh. and we get to see remember when amanda brought up his bear that he had oh. this cute little teddy bear but it's actually this gigantic bear with fangs and yeah yeah so we see that In this episode. Okay, great. And I think people really like this one from what I remembered. So, Oh, that's promising then. It's a Spock-centric episode. Great. I'll look forward to that then. Thank you everybody out there listening for sticking with us. And thank you patrons for your support. And if you want to join us on the crew on Patreon, head over to patreon.com forward slash Rachel watches Star Trek. We've got two pieces of bonus content out this month, which you may already have heard if you are a patron. Mm -hmm. The season three original series wrap up show and a game show. It's called Star Trek or Star Trick. Where we have to guess whether an episode was a real story that was considered for the original series or one that one of our listeners has made up. Yeah, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Challenging as well. And I think it would be fun to play along with us and listen to that episode. So become a patron, check that out. And with that, I'm Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. And you've been listening to... Rachel Watches Star Trek.
Rachel watches Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs>